Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 26 called The City of Peace. All throughout the Bible, you'll see that God is the rock. Literally, this everlasting rock, this literal expression is rock of ages. There's a famous hymn written, rock of ages, cleft for me. It speaks of a rocky cliff where the trusting one may find shelter from attackers. That's what God says, I will be your shelter. I will be your refuge. I will be your strength, but I want you to focus on me. I want you to come to me and trust that I will be your rock, that I am the foundation that you can build upon. Indeed, this is Deuteronomy 32, 31. There is, uh, indeed, their rock is not like our rock. Even our enemies themselves judge this. I think there was a Maranatha song that came out that says, there is no rock, there is no God like our God. That's what Isaiah is talking about. For he has brought low, verse 5, those who dwell on high, the unassailable city. This is back to that city of chaos, 24.10. He lays it low. He lays it low to the ground. He cast it to the dust. If you look back at Isaiah 25, look at verse 12. And the unassailable fortifications of your walls, he will bring down the city that thought it could never fall. He will lay low and cast to the ground, even to the dust. There are some places, some people groups, some nations that believe that they are unassailable, that nothing can ever get to them. Think of uh, when the fall of, was it Babylon happened, and um, was it Darius? Who was the king when the writing on the wall happened? Belshazzar, thank you. And Daniel came and interpreted the, the writing on the wall. And the whole uh, Medo-Persian army was outside and they were having a party and drinking to the gods of silver and gold. Oh, nothing's going to happen to us. We're cool. And their city was about to fall and the kingdom would be ripped away from him that night. The foot will trample it. Look at Isaiah 26.6. The feet of the afflicted, the steps of the helpless. The way of the righteous is smooth. And all God's people said, it is? O upright one, make the path of the righteous level. Let me ask you a question. What was your path like when you were in the world? Was it smooth? Well, maybe at times. Or maybe it seemed smooth (laughs) because of your state of mind. And then we become a Christian and sometimes... We hear about smooth paths and we hear about the Lord leading and guiding our steps and sometimes it feels a little bit bumpy. But the Lord makes, he gives us smooth paths because he is the upright one. The idea of smooth and and, uh, uh, level speaks of uprightness and straight. He takes us the straight way. It doesn't mean it's not challenging, but it means it's good, it's proper, it's straight, it's right. Indeed, while following the way of thy judgments, eight, O Lord, We have waited for thee eagerly. Thy name, even thy memory or his renown, is the desire of our souls, the NIV says, our hearts. Listen to the New King James. 
Yes, in the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you. The desire of our soul, and I want to ask you, is this you? The desire of our soul is for your name and for the remembrance of you. Is his name the desire of your soul? You might say his name. What does his name have to do with it? His name is everything that he is. That's what it represents in that culture. When you say the name of somebody, you're saying the authority, you're saying the character, you're saying the the personality, everything that makes up his name. Is his name the desire of your soul? If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It is his name above all names. It is his character, his heart that I want to seek. It is the desire of my soul. And God satisfies that desire. He blesses me with his presence. He gives me a peace that surpasses understanding. Trust in the Lord, Psalm 37, 3 through 5, and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Guess what? When you're delighting yourself in the Lord, what's your main desire? Him. Him. He says, if you will delight yourself in me, I'll, I take it as I'll give you more of me. I'll give you more blessings. I'll, I'll turn the diamond a little bit more that you may see. Have you noticed that your depth as a Christian is in keeping with your desire? Have you noticed, as we've said before, that the Bible just not, doesn't just float off your nightstand and open to an applicable page for your life and turn off the remote control for you? Have you noticed that? It doesn't work that way. God says, if you want to know me, you dig deep, and I reveal more and more and more grace upon grace, glory upon glory. But he wants us to desire him. Imagine loving somebody saying that they're the sole desire of your heart and then you never spend time with them or you spend two times a month with them. Well, then your actions reveal your heart. And God says, if you really say that you want to know me, then sit at my feet and drink in the living waters and you will be fully satisfied. Even if you're sitting in a prison in the 60s AD or when Paul wrote Philippians and you're writing a letter because the life of God can meet you anywhere. We are distracted people, folks. We really are. And some of that is just our culture and we're, we're doing the best we can. But here God is saying, look, delight yourself in me. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. At night, verse 9, my soul longs for thee. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks thee diligently. Have you ever just been at a point in your life where maybe you're about to come into worship, maybe you're at a place where you have a devotional time, and you just get this sense of the presence of God, and you just say to yourself, you know what, Lord, there is nothing that comes close to knowing you. Nothing. There's nothing better At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we're just getting a foretaste of it, brethren. And so this is the desire of the prophet. My soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks thee. How much? Diligently. For when the earth experiences thy judgments, get this, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Now look at verse 10. 
Though the wicked is shown favor, by contrast to verse 9, he does not learn righteousness. What? You mean the world doesn't learn about the grace of God and the favor of God when everything's going cool? It takes a judgment of God to get the world's attention? Is that really how it works? Oh, yes. Because watch the world. The world turns to God when what happens? When calamity happens. Individually, we know this. Sometimes it's our own salvation story. We were going our merry way, ignoring God and the bombardment of His glory that comes from the heavens day after day. They speak, they tell of the glory of God, and we were, ah, whatever, later on my deathbed, right? And then something happened in our life, maybe multiple things. Uh, Maybe there were moments of time for you that there was just a turning. There was a decision that you made. You laid down something significant and you said, I'm not toying around anymore. I'm going to serve God. Some of you bargained with God if there's such a thing, right? You said, okay, Lord, if you get me out of this one, then I'll serve you. And the good news is that God even honors stuff like that. The world doesn't seem to learn when they're experiencing the blessings When there is favor, verse 10, they don't learn righteousness. He deals unjustly in the land of uprightness and does not perceive, this explains a lot for me, the majesty of the Lord. When everything is going well, when he is experiencing the favor of God, Luke 6.35, Jesus said, God, the Father, is kind to ungrateful and evil men. But when he pours out his kindness... His benevolent grace, His sunshine and rain and food and life to the wicked. They don't seem to notice much. But when God deals in a disciplinary fashion with mankind and He shakes the bushes as it were a little bit, man tends to go, hmm, maybe I'm not in control. I am sitting on a ball out in the universe and I hope somebody's steering. Right? Because earthquakes happen and unpredictable things happen and And maybe somebody gets a disease and dies in three weeks who was a close friend. And all of a sudden we go, wait a minute. There's no guarantees here. And if there's something ultimate, then I'd like to know who and what. See, they don't perceive the majesty of God. And that's what 1 Corinthians 2, you could look at verses 11 through 14, teach us that the uh, natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. Because they are spiritually discerned. He can't assess value. He doesn't know where value really lies. And so you shouldn't be surprised when sometimes you try to explain something lofty and high in in your world and they don't seem to get it. And you're like, this is majestic. Don't you see that? What? What? They don't perceive the majesty of the Lord. Though the Bible tells us that the glory of God is revealed in creation and even in their own conscience. I sent out a a video. Uh, Ray Comfort, where the master, had done a a video where he starts with uh, knowledge about Adolf Hitler and then moves it to the modern abortion travesty in our land. And he's interviewing people. They're down often by the beach and and he was asking people, do you know who Adolf Hitler is? And folks, if you see this video, there are a good number of people who don't even know who Adolf Hitler was. And people in America who are denying the Holocaust happened. Despite the footage that you can see that will make your stomach turn. 
Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Our station in the Bay Area is up for renewal. If you're resonating with this ministry and you have a heart to see it expand, we would love to hear from you to know that it's making an impact, that you're praying for us, and that you're wanting to support and partner in the work that's being done there. The price per year is $3,500. If 70 people give $50, we'll reach that goal. It will help us not only to meet the radio airtime costs there, but also help us expand. Please donate at walkintruth.com and click donate. And then on Kept FM. And help support the broadcast as it goes out into your area. Once again, you can donate at walkintruth.com, click donate, and then click on Kept FM. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And eventually what happens is just through somebody who, can, who knows how to witness to people and get them to see uh, connecting ideas and uh, critical thinking skills and the light of the gospel, you see people's opinion turn on the subject of abortion because they, they can see that one thing's evil and if the other thing is parallel evil, then that's wrong. But the world has been sold a bill of goods by a word called rhetoric. It's like a canvas over people's eyes. They parrot ideas of the world until they are shown the light. And then they say, oh my goodness. It's like, have you ever seen one of those grand openings where they they veil like a piece of architecture and then they lift it off and you actually get to see what's under it? That's what's happened in the nation regarding abortion. I'm not condemning anybody because we've all made mistakes. That's not the issue. Forgiveness is available in Christ. But the point is, it is what it is. The reality is that babies are being murdered in America, over 50 million dead and counting. The Holocaust, 6 million Jews, I think about 11 million people somewhere in there died under Adolf Hitler. 50 million babies. And we say... I wonder what's going on in America. See, God sees, even if we don't want to look at it, God sees it. And at some point you wonder, I think you stand in awe at the patience of God. O Lord, 11, thy hand is lifted up, yet they do not see it. They see thy zeal for the people and are put to shame, indeed, and this is in the day of the Lord context, fire will devour thine enemies. It's like they, they look at God judging and they see it from afar and they're not in the camp of the forgiven. They're not in the people of God, but they're kind of in awe at the fact of how much God loves his people, that he would intervene. Think of the cross. That's how much God loves his people, that he was willing to give his son. Lord, thou will establish peace for us, Twelve since thou hast also performed for us all our works. Everything, salvation, is of the Lord. He is our peace, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.14, he gives us peace. O Lord, our God, 13, other masters besides thee have ruled us. Think of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. 
but through thee, key phrase, alone, we confess thy name. All that's good, every good and perfect gift is from God. 14. The dead will not live. The departed spirits, literally, this is the shadowy ones, will not rise. Therefore, thou hast punished and destroyed them, and thou hast wiped out all remembrance of them. Now, the context in verse 14 is the enemies of God. And this verse, if pulled out of its intended context, will convince people that spirits, uh, there's no resurrection. Look at the verse, that the dead will not live, the departed spirits will not rise. See, there it is. Pull the verse out of its context, and what you have is a pretext. But people will read that and say, oh my goodness, the Jehovah's Witnesses are right. Or whomever. But you have to keep reading. And you have to see in the context that God is talking about those that he destroys. And by the way, they will experience a resurrection as well. But it's a resurrection unto what? Condemnation or judgment. 15. Thou hast increased the nation, O Lord. Thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast extended all the borders of the land. When God does what he does in, at the end times in the millennium, he, the original borders, if you will, given to Abraham will be established. God will keep his word. O Lord, they sought thee in distress or trouble. They could only whisper a prayer. Ever felt like that? Thy chastening was upon them. As the pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth, 17, she rises and cries out in her labor pains. This is a picture of the nation of Israel. Thus we were, uh, thus we, we before, okay, I can read. Thus were we before thee, O Lord. In Matthew 24, 8, Jesus says, all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. 18, we were pregnant, we writhed in labor, we gave birth as it were, only to wind. We could not accomplish deliverance for the earth, nor were inhabitants of the world born. NIV says, we were with child, we writhed in pain, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not given birth to the people of the world. What was the job of the nation of Israel? To be a light to the Gentiles. But that has not happened. Salvation has not gone to the ends of the earth in the sense of, uh, you know, the, the early church, of course, was largely Jewish. But if you look at it today, the church is largely Gentile. And that which God intended for Israel will come to pass. And notice in contrast to the earlier verse that we read, it says this, Your dead will live, 19, their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy. For your dew is the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. There is going to be a resurrection. And by the way, if you ever wondered if the resurrection is taught in the Old Testament, it is taught in Isaiah 25, excuse me, 26, what you just read, 19. You can look at Job 19, 26. Uh, in my flesh I will see God. And we'll look at Daniel 12 together. You could look at verses 1 and 2. Notice your dead will live and corpses will rise that lie in the dust. Really? Really? In the book of Luke, Jesus has just healed the slave of a centurion. And a little while later, we'll study this on Sunday, he, he comes into another city, uh, Nain, 
and there's a procession happening and there's a guy in a coffin. He's the son of a widow, the only son, and she's going to be left alone with no male protection. And Jesus goes up and he knows what he, you know what he does? He touches the coffin and the widow's son sits up <laughs> and starts talking. I don't know what he's talking about. We don't have a record of it, but he's talking. Jesus has power over death. Why is it incredible to you that God raises the dead? Acts 26, verse 8. The words that I speak to you as the leaders there who are interviewing Paul, they say, Paul, your great learning has made you mad. And Paul says, no, I speak the words of sober truth and reason. If you believe Genesis 1-1 that God created the world out of nothing by the word of his power, why do you not believe that he can raise the dead? That's what Paul says. I'm not teaching anything new. This is in the Old Testament that they say they believe. In perhaps the oldest book, Job. I know my Redeemer lives and in my flesh I will see God. That's why I have hope when I stand at a cemetery and there's a casket there and I look that family in the eye and I say, on the authority of Jesus Christ, your loved one will rise. You've been listening to The City of Peace, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 26. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you visit walkintruth.com to learn about our apologetics event in March called Dare to Defend. You can learn about the various guest speakers who will be talking about how you can address various topics the culture is facing. We'd love to see you there, so visit walkintruth.com to learn about Dare to Defend. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Isaiah 26.4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. The beautiful image of stability and a strong foundation. You know, Jesus talked about how there's two different people that listen to his messages. One listens and does what he says, and they build upon the rock. The other hears the same message and doesn't do it and builds upon the sand. The rock is solid. The sand is sinking. (laughs) All of the ground is sinking sand. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. Maybe there's times when you say, well, I know the Lord, but I feel kind of unstable. And uh, sometimes I wonder if he's there or if underneath my feet are the rock. Well, remember that your walk with the Lord is not about your feelings. It's about reality. It's about facts. Yet it's nice when the feelings go with the facts. Amen. (laughs) So I get it. And If you feel unstable, there's a beautiful promise in Hebrews 4 of stabilizing grace. When we go to the throne of grace, Jesus pours out stabilizing grace. Go back and read Hebrews 4. Look at verses 14 through 16, and I think there you'll find some encouragement. He gives grace to help, stabilizing grace in time of need. He will stabilize you in the storm, so don't lose heart. He is the everlasting rock, and he is the only foundation on which we are to build. Well, uh, we have a Dare to Defend conference coming up we've been telling you about. It's happening at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. 
It's happening March 25th and 26th. It's called Dare to Defend. It's a Friday night and a Saturday for the bulk of the day with speakers such as J.P. Moreland talking about miracles, Sean McDowell dealing with deconstruction, Lenny Esposito, who will deal with the problem of evil and also with the power of the archaeological record uh, proving that the Bible is historic and accurate. Um, so many more things going on, breakout sessions, uh, different powerful topics on how you can be confident in what you believe and why you believe it and be able to defend it well. So it's $55 for this weekend for adults, $39 for a student, any kind of student ID will do, and $39 for groups of 10 or more. Seating is limited. And hey, if you're looking for to get further equipped, and we all should be, this is the conference to go to. Dare to Defend, March 25th, 26th, a Friday night and a Saturday. And you can go to daretodefend.com. That's daretodefend.com. And get your tickets now. And make sure you have plans to join us. daretodefend.com. This is Pastor Michael. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. But our funds are mostly supported by our church in Southern California. Would you please help us pay for the airtime on the radio station you're listening to? A monthly partnership of at least $5 a month is all we ask. Please donate when you visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 26 called the city of peace. I'm Mike Massaro, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.